Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's episode of the show. And if you are listening for the first time, the reason I say good morning, afternoon, and evening is because people listen to the show in 61 countries, either on podcast or live. So I never know what time zone somebody might be in when they're listening. So I'd like to always like to give them a hearty welcome for whatever time of day they might be listening to the show. And today I am I'm truly excited to be able to interview. Um, somebody that was a childhood crush of mine. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and and I'm, you know, his publicist reached out to me because he has a, a book out, a memoir of his life, and I couldn't say no because, like I said, I had a childhood crush on him, and this is the first time I'm ever going to be able to interview somebody that um, was a part of my life growing up, although he didn't know that. He was a part of my life growing up. So please welcome um, everybody listening to the show. Michael Cole, he played the white guy on the Mod Squad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was all very nice. Thank you. Oh, Michael, it's truly a a joy to have you. You didn't get all those letters that I sent you? (laughs) Oh, my parents must have said no. They probably didn't like the idea that I was getting letters from you. Darn it. Son of a gun. Yeah, total son of a gun. (laughs) Michael, this is, excuse me, honey. Sure. uh, I just want to say, this is really a neat title, name of a show. Well, thank you. Yeah, it really is. It it just kind of grabs your attention and you start thinking. It's all about the questions. Yeah, it, it truly, truly is. And it's, it, Michael, it's based on my book I wrote called What Would a Wise Woman Do? Questions to Ask ah, Along the Way. Uh-huh. And, and yes, the, yes. the idea is that the questions are really what define our life, not the answers, because we don't always ask the questions that get us the right answers. They may be the answers we want, but not the ones so we true. need. So true. So true. And, and your book really is about that exact topic. Michael, and for everybody who's listening, Michael just wrote his memoir. It's called I Played the White Guy, and (laughs) he he played Pete Cochran on the Mod Squad, and you really do pose so many thoughtful comments and questions inside your book, and I think this is something that is not your usual Hollywood memoir. So why why write this book now? Over the years, Laura, uh, people have, first of all, a long time ago, I said, uh, somebody said to me, an actor friend, I hear you go, you want to write a book? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think you should read one first. (laughs) (laughs) And so, (laughs) being smart, (laughs) okay, Uh, because I had a pretty... Well, it's kind of rough growing up, so I quit school and et cetera, et cetera, in ninth grade. And uh, but after all these, you should write a book. And then when I, I left, I'm from Wisconsin. And then when I left Wisconsin, things started. You, you know, when you trust your instincts and you know you shouldn't be in some place at that given time, it really is time to go because it's like the pathfinder. You keep going 
and going, and you don't know what the hell's going to happen next, but it seems to be right. And I followed all those little, you know, like Hansel and Gretel, finding the, the, the breadcrumbs and the cookies or whatever they are. And uh, you eventually, if you, ha- you have to have two things, faith and uh, desire. And so basically that's what I did from Madison, Wisconsin, and wound up uh, with Aaron Spelling. Um, and the rest is history. As far, you know, Mod Squad has been on for 50 years it, and it's still on the air. It's so hard to believe it's been 50 years since you, Peggy Lipton, and Clarence Williams III first yes. came on screen with a completely different kind of show that had never been seen before on TV. Boy, that's for sure. Uh, I was in my James Dean period at the time, as many people were. And when I first went over and met Aaron Spelling, I was really kind of angry at everything. And uh, Aaron told me the name of the show... And I really hadn't worked, done a couple of things, but, you know, young, starving actor going to the um, actor's workshop, etc. And I told him that, man, this is the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> I hope to hell it never gets on the air. <laughs> me me busting kids my own age. Are you kidding? Give me a motorcycle. Let me be some bad guy. And I thought I was going to get thrown out of Paramount Studios. Yeah. You know, Aaron called security, get this idiot, this kid out of here. Instead, he jumped up on his desk and said, Michael, that's exactly what I want. You are Pete Cochran. I said, what? He said, no, let me really explain what it's about. <laughs> I know, but be, I looked at my agent, and my agent had beads of perspiration running it out the side of his face. <laughs> so the kid's killing himself, and he hasn't worked yet. So you being yourself got you the role of a lifetime. Absolutely. Thank you for understanding that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought I was going to get thrown out, but Aaron said, that's exactly what I want. And that's how that happened. Well, that's such a great lesson for all my listeners to Well, I don't, really I don't suggest it. No, but, but you, being you, yourself. You've got to be sincere at what you're doing, trusting your instincts and wherever it takes you. That, that, that's, I think, the point of that. You have to, you have to mean it. And he said, no, will you calm down? And I'll tell you, it's about, he, the way he put it, and it was true, Laura, uh, turned out to be true. The show is really about caring. And each one of us wound up caring because we came from different backgrounds and different bad places. And the the arrest of the three of us was a blessing in disguise because we want, and it's really true, and I think it came across on the screen, we deeply cared about one another. And you had to have that element in there um, for the show to work. You know, you, you, the people have to care what's happening to the to the main actors in the, in the show. And Aaron, uh, 
Aaron was a genius at casting because we came together and it worked from the very sentence. And then eventually we find each we found each other um, really caring on and off camera. And at last, what's beautiful, Laura, is it's lasted to this day. It's so neat to, you know, there's usually, uh, sometimes, uh, a lot of fighting and arguments and egos and uh, inch-taller shoes and (laughs) who's going to be filmed this way and that way. We never in five years had one argument. I think we just realized we needed each other to pull this off. And that meant a hell of a lot to me. That's definitely another lesson, because you don't really hear that out of Hollywood anymore. You what? I'm sorry. You really don't hear that kind of story out of Hollywood anymore. Yeah, that's true. Everybody's fighting and wants more money and all that stuff like that, which is understandable, but... uh, our friendship and, and, and a love for each other is uh, what really carried that show that, that that came across. Do you still speak with sure. everybody out from the show that's, yes. that's still alive? Every, every once in a while, I'll call Clarence or he'll call me. And, and uh, we used to say, hey, man, what's happening? Now we say, how's your health? <laughs> <laughs> I, I still can't picture you any older than you were on um, on Mod Squad or any of the shows I, I've seen you on Love Boat or any of those other episodes. I liked that it. You've been Did on. you like that love that scene in Love Boat? We worked very hard, John Rubenstein and I. That one in when I was in the wheelchair. Yeah, I remember watching it with my parents one day, uh-huh. and we were just blown away by watching something that you would never see before, something really, really real and raw. Yeah, we worked very hard on that, and um, I think it came off really good with that scene with John and I. It did, and my dad was a Korean War vet. Oh, wow. And, you know, the military was always a huge part of my life growing up that, Uh you know, was something to be really proud of, and to see that, portrayal that you did that people didn't really talk about when you did that episode of The Love Boat. It just was ignored. You know, I always made a point. My brother was a military person, and we just lost him a year or so ago. I'm so sorry. I'm getting choked up a little bit here, um, because we were very close. Um, Grew up poor type thing, and... um, needed each other and anyway he just uh left the planet if you will a uh, year or so ago and uh, i i all i had to do as an actor really was use a lot let me put it this way every time i was at an airport and the guys were coming back from vietnam and the girls were coming back from where i always made a point because of my brother and I loved him so much um, to say thank you for your service. And that's a perfect way to go into our first commercial break. We're here with Michael Cole and to all the veterans out there with Memorial Day Absolutely. being yesterday. Absolutely, from the bottom th- of my heart. Yeah. 
and we'll be right back with more from Michael Cole. Michael, we were talking about your brother uh, just before yeah. the, the news break. My Can mom passed away well, eight months me, ago. Excuse me, I was just hearing your commercials, and it sounds like you've got really some pretty good programs down there to help people. We do. Vero Beach is just a wonderful, close-knit community that does so much to help others grow and, yeah, and wow. be safe. It's very impressive. I'm sorry, we were talking about my brother. And, that, that's okay. But I just wanted to get that in. I was hearing, listening to him. Well, wow, what a neat place. Yeah, we're we're like a little oasis here in Vero Beach. We just caring is very much a part of of who the community is and the Boy, radio station. Yeah, and the radio station where I I work out of, um, run by Wet, Rhett Palmer. He just really really cares about the community and people and lending a helping hand. Beautiful. Man. Boy, do we need that. We do. We really do. And and I I really sense that so much in in your book that Thank you. sense of community and fellowship, and we have to help other people by That's our own exactly journeys. What I, man, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's exactly what it was about. That's why it wound up like it was, uh, like it did. Um, there's a, the last line in one of the, I think I'll paraphrase it. It's uh, like, for the first time, things are truly the way they should be, according to God's plan, not mine. I was just reading that line to somebody in, in the green wow. room um, before the show started. <laughs> that's really neat. See, that's Scott's stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. And you said, in right after that, you said, I'm reminded of an old saying, there are no regrets in life, just lessons right. learned. Lessons learned. And... Uh, I, I, man, did, did I did I say before somebody said you're going to write a book, huh? Yeah, I did say that. Yeah, and, and it's come out. You know, it it kind of because I've never written a book or anything. like I said, somebody should read. It. Yeah, I should read one. But it, if you're really honest, and you've had some ups and downs, and I've had the. Ex- stratospheric highs and the suicidal lows and the alcoholism and everything. Uh, it goes up and down so much, but they were all lessons learned. And my beautiful wife came in just in the nick of time and saved myself. Okay, I'm sorry. I got off on that. That's that's okay. It's, you know, what you just spoke of is something that is so important for my listeners to to understand that there are moments in your life that can change your life. You just have Absolutely. to be able to go. Okay, why is this person here? What what do I need to listen to? And what do you think? I kind of get that the reason you wrote this book now was that you're you're at a point in your life where you realize there is value in your lessons, but also you want to clear the air on your life and let people see that it wasn't just the Mod Squad and Pete Cochran and all these opportunities, that there was something else there. Would that be a correct assumption? 
Absolutely. And a lot of the time, when when you grow up really kind of, and I don't want to sound, uh, woe is me, but we were really poor, my mother, my brother, and I, dirt poor. And I'd always been involved in the arts, if you will, and uh, as I grew older, I became angry. But all those anger moments... I mean, I hated everything. I was in my James Dean period for a long time, uh, anti-everything. And that's what Aaron, actually what Aaron Spelling saw and picked out and why I did Mont Squad. But uh, it, it, ask me that again once, the way... The way the, the way I said it, I'm not sure I could say it again the same way. But, <laughs> but you know, I feel like when you wrote this book that you feel like it was the time to write it so people could see that it was not all just wonderful stuff. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Fits perfect. I, in a way, it's kind of, for an actor or a painter or a musician, you, uh, you have to go through these times. I had a great acting coach that, because uh, I, I, I would be, in jail or drunk or lost or wherever. And uh, you kind of had to go through these times to come out the other side, lessons learned. And my acting coach, she was a great lady. I didn't have any place to stay. So somebody told me to go over and meet her. And I did. Her name was Estelle. Harmon, and she was very famous. She was the head of the UCLA drama department, stuff like that. Um, and when we met, she, we did a scene together. I'd never done anything like that. She just asked me to come back. I want you to come back uh, and share this. Share what? I didn't know what the hell was happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I came back the next day and we read the scene, a scene together from a great play called Oh, what the hell is it? Um, not somebody up there likes me, but All My Sons. That's what it was. Okay. All, all My Sons. And it was where the young son was really pissed off. Edward G. Robinson was the old man, and he had been making airplanes for the war, and he saved a couple of bucks, but they weren't put together right, and we lost a lot of flyers. And I found that out, and I was very angry. So this reading with Estelle, that's why I don't know why the hell I wound up at Estelle's. But after that scene, I did know. It, I got angry, which I was kind of angry all the time anyway. And uh, she just put down the paper and put down the scene, and she looked at me and said, I want you to come back. And I think that's a, we're going to stop right there because we're about to go into national news, Michael, and I don't want us to get cut off mid-word. <laughs> Oh, man. You know what that's like with national news and all that other stuff. Um, Absolutely. 
the station will just boom, we're done. So everybody <laughs> will be right back with more from Michael Cole, the author of his memoir, I Played the White Guy. He played Pete Cochran on The Mod Squad. He was a childhood crush of mine, and it's an honor of mine to finally get to interview him about his new book. We'll be right back after the national news. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just joining us live on iHeartRadio, then you'll, you're in for a treat because I have Michael Cole. He played Pete Cochran on The Mod Squad. He's my very first celebrity interview. And, um, you know, I received a copy of his book from his publicist. His memoir that just was released, which you can buy anywhere books are sold, is called I Played the White Guy. And or Amazon. On Amazon. It's available yeah. on Amazon. And it's called I Played the White Guy. And, you know, Michael... One theme that I picked up throughout this book was, you know, not only a story of redemption, but how even at the worst parts of your life with your alcoholism, a number of self-destructive tendencies, there was a sense of something bigger than yourself that was guiding your life and putting you in the right places. That's exactly what I was hoping. Boy, you nailed that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, it, I did it, read the book, true. cover to cover. It so. out being, you know, Irish Catholic and no father and very poor and stuff like that. And I had a great mother and brother. But as I grew up, I just got, like I said, my James Dean stuff going and uh, I hated everything. It was anti this, anti that. And I, I fought the church because, I'll tell you why, because she was excommunicated when we couldn't find our biological father. And to me, if anybody should have been excommunicated, it should have been some of the priests at that time. Yeah, it was a tough time. And I know you know what I'm talking about. And anyway... Uh, got through that but I always started traveling first of all loneliness was a big piece of my life and so I started thinking and feeling why don't you take loneliness and turn it into your friend because it's going to be traveling with you it sounds like a country song yeah and I'm reflecting on that because that that has so many nuances to it. Make loneliness Absolutely. your friend. How did you go about doing that? Uh, when I ran out of other friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 it was just always there and it was making me so, so sad all the time. I said, Michael, you're not going to, nothing's going to happen if you just to this lonely stuff and stratospheric highs started to happen and those suicidal lows. We can't do this. But at the same time, I said thank you to these periods because for many years I wanted to be an actor and then I found this great acting coach, like I said, and she said, take those lonely years and use them. Put them over here. When you see a line in a play, that that line fits to that emotion. Mm. 
It's really called in those terms, act of, what the hell is it, emotional recall. And if you're, and I have had some, I've been emotional all my life, and if that emotion fits to that line, it's going to come out real. And that taught me, that's when I started to kind of think like that. And we became buddies, along with my buddy Christ. We hung out for a long time. And uh, I was alone, but I was never really alone. There, there's, a, yeah, there's a line in your book that that I flagged. I have a whole bunch of things marked in the book, but... That's say, really neat. Luck is not a bad thing, but I believe there's a spiritual component involved in this too. Maybe luck and the spirit are the same thing in the end, like parallel lives that touch at infinity. What, Boy. What moved me about that line and the question I have for you is, at what point did you realize that? Was it while you were going through it or when you were writing this book and reflecting back on your life? Mostly, that I had the great honor to my wife, who basically saved my life. Shelley? Uh, yeah. Um, to meet Carl Sagan. Oh, God, somebody. I Oh, another crush. <laughs> I, 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 me too. Uh, and he... Uh, we had he was giving a speech about Voyager, and uh, it was from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. And I, I kept thinking, here I I quit school in ninth grade, and I'm sitting with all these people at JPL because of Shelley, and I'm like five feet from Carl Sagan, and he's speaking. How in the heck did this happen? <laughs> so that's what I meant by you trust that here I am with the love of Shelley. And uh, anyway, the inevitable happened. I mean, these people are in their nice suits and white coats and all that stuff like that. And God, I had my cowboy boots on and my jeans and leather jacket. Anyway, as he was going from left to right around the audience for questions. And um, I, I hope this is going to answer your question, or at least put it in a bit of perspective for me. Okay. Um, I, I didn't know what to, my hand was sweating so hard, so much underneath the table I was breaking Shelley's hand because it was getting close, and I got to say something. I can't miss this opportunity. Excuse me, honey, a sip of water. So he gets closer and closer, and Shelly was sitting there not knowing what to act with it. I raised my hand. I can picture that moment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like I said, he was so close. <clears throat> I asked, so he said, yes, sir. And I, all of a sudden it came to me. I was reading Hawking's A Brief History of Time. And so 
in that book, which he wrote the preface to, in that book, Brief History of Time, Stephen Hawking mentioned God a lot. I, I think most of us who really care at some time or another have wrestled with that God in science. And uh, so I asked Dr. Sagan, um, in a brief history of time, uh, he writes, Hawking writes about God. What do you think, sir, he meant by that? Whoa, Mr. Sagan, step back a little bit. That is a very good question. Very good. I just got a response like that from Carl Sagan. That's impressive. Yeah, I, I had no idea where the hell I was. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, you tell this, just so everybody knows, um, Michael tells in quite a bit of detail that moment with Carl Sagan on page 138 and 139 in his oh, book. Oh, thank so. you. <laughs> thank you. So anyway, I, can I finish this a little yeah, bit Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he, that's a very good question, Michael. Um, it's, to me, what he means is that as long as we have something to study and something to learn that we don't know, it will be referred to as God. Still, it's a mystery, so we don't know it, and we call it God. I thought that was really pretty cool. Okay, it makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. So I said, I mentioned that we've uh, split the atom. We've... Uh, I think now we're down to the quark. Right, and the search of the God well, particle. Yes, as the, the that's the tiniest thing we got. But someday, people like you are going to split that. And when you do, it's going to open, and it's going to be an incredible bright light that just... Blasts out so intense, but still peaceful. And it's you're gonna say, slap your forehead, bang like that. Say, oh my God! And that's exactly what it's gonna be. I have goosebumps. <laughs> I honestly have have goosebumps over the thought of that. Is that's that's uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Mr. Sagan was, Dr. Sagan was so cool. He, he said, I don't think I could have put it that eloquently. That's very good. It's, thank you. Thank you for thank sharing you, that, that story. And we have to go into our last commercial break. So we're okay. going to be right back with more from Michael Cole, author of his memoir, I Played the White Guy. We'll be right yeah. back. <laughs> Michael, we just about Carl Sagan, and I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of continue some other pretty amazing things that you talk about in your book. There's a quote that you said. There's a saying, courage is fear that has said its prayers. Yes. And 
That really hit me a lot because Good, so, so Good. often in life we have to do things. You know, people use the phrase man up. never really liked it, but it, it evokes an idea of, you know, at some point you have to pick yourself up and and do something and get over a fear or something that you have. You talk about your most of your life being an alcoholic and because right. of Shelley and and your faith actually being able to go now I think 25 years as yeah right right around there 25 uh, of being a recovering alcoholic and I would think that every day you have to have the courage not to have another drink for for me I for some reason I got a little lucky I didn't have when I was at Betty Ford and it was drying out, yeah, it's funny. I made myself laugh. I needed a drink right there. <laughs> there you go, but a drink of water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ask that last part again, like okay. you just did. So. Every day, it's all in the question. Sure, every day, being a recovering alcoholic, I would think that yeah. every day you have to have courage to get past your fears, to to step beyond it. Is that really? I'll, I'll take another step further. Is that how come your book was able to be written now? Because you've wow. you've passed through that even further at another level. You, you, boy, that's. You got a good title for your show. <laughs> really, uh, that's pretty much what happened. And during those, oh man, I don't know how long. Uh, I, I I think the, the alcoholic has to come to some sense of hope. And you need some kind of spiritual larger than you are, you are in your life. Um, and, and, and you can't and you have to start recognizing the love that people have given you and those are the ones you truly hurt. So sobriety and making amends to those people. Sobriety is making amends to yourself because you can't go on like this. You just can't. I ran out of gas. I, I and because of Shelley being loved by Shelley. I that's a luck part, which I think there's some spiritual parts in that too, like I said. But uh, you need to find and really deeply try and explore the spiritual and, 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 and the love part. You can find the spiritual kind of by yourself whether it be nature or just, you know, like walking in the woods or something. Start noticing the real things. Wow. What, it's, do you remember, did you see, I'm sure you did, the color purple? 
I did. Yeah. Every time since then, I notice the color purple whenever I see a purple flower. And Quincy Jones, who wrote the music, was a good friend. And I talked to him about it. And he, it's just he's married it, to Peggy Lipton from the Mods. They, they were for quite were, a while. Yeah. yeah, they have two beautiful daughters. Uh, we talked about that, the color purple. I just saw, hey, this is really beautiful. But then the color purple took on a new meaning. It was a sense of life in itself. I don't know if I'm making sense right now or not. Well, keep going with it. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and we might find something. Uh, I started, the first thing that came to my mind was purple is a royal color. And, and God would be angry if you didn't notice that color purple. Hmm. And when you start doing that with not just purple flowers, but the color purple, it branches out into other things. My two... I've, I've always tried to go to a children's hospital to square away myself in any kind of pain I thought I was having. And I would go to a children's hospital. I'll, t I'll tell you about one that's in the book. I remember when I went to University of Wisconsin. Right, hospital. and Australia as well, a number of times. Yes, the hospital yes. There. Those were beautiful kids. But in Wisconsin, it uh, I get choked up a little bit thinking about her. This little girl called, and that's a very serious hospital. It's terminal. And she she had called, the, and then the hospital called me and said she had, at Christmas Eve, had uh, her, her only thing she thought about was if she could meet me. Whoa, that'll make your hands sweat. Yeah, that makes you realize your place in the world and there's something bigger than it, just the absolutely. fact that you're on the Mod Squad and you have a chance absolutely. to make a difference. That's what the Mod Squad became to me then. This is the part of being in show business and lucky enough to have people know and care about you. Like this little girl. So Christmas Eve, I flew back to Madison. And uh, I'll never forget getting out of the car and walking up this is a huge building. And just so you know, we have a little under two minutes left. Okay. Uh, and I walked down to her room, and she greeted me. And she, when she perked up, I've always been amazed that young people in their conditions never feel bad. They always... We talked about some adventures in Mod Squad. We talked about her dreams, etc., etc. I had gently held her and kissed her goodbye. By the time I got back to the hospital, she had left. Like the fresh snow right around Christmas that had just fallen. And I, 
I wept, but it was kind of after meeting her, she didn't let me down as a spirit, as a happy spirit. And uh, that's really important to me. And, and I, really, be, I really believe, Michael, that anybody who reads your book will get that. And we'll get, Thank you. and perhaps for somebody that is in a struggle and yes. doesn't think that there's any way out of it, that perhaps reading this book and hearing your stories might help them um, have courage that they can, Laura, they can make so a difference. You're so special saying that. And I'm, I, well, I'm choked up, but thank you. Well, thank you so much for being on my show, Michael. And you said everybody can get your book on Amazon? Yes. Okay. And well, You know, sometime, Laura, will you just call back and we can chat again? I, I, would, I would love to do that. Very much love to do that, Michael. And it was an honor to have you on the show and to read your book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you. Everybody grab a copy of I Played the White Guy on Amazon. And remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. Hug someone you love. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 